Yo, yo, what up, what up? This is your life coach, Jacob Sokol, and welcome to WTF Should I Do With My Life. This podcast is specifically designed for the people in our generation, like you and me, who are looking to figure out how to live with more happiness, more success, and a deeper sense of purpose while simultaneously navigating the unique challenges of today. I interview world-class thinkers like Tal Ben-Shahar, who taught the most popular class at Harvard of all time, Nicole Daydone, who teaches a 15-minute orgasmic meditation technique for women, thinkers like Brian Johnson on how to get paid to do what you love, and other such positive psychologists, spiritual luminaries, business CEOs, and overall badass thinkers. And I help take their wisdom and make it really grounded and practical so that we can all embody it, apply it, and feel the effects of that wisdom. And that's where the word sensify comes from. Sense means to feel, and sophie means wisdom. So it's the feeling of wisdom that we embody, right? Not just knowing it in the head, but actually living and being that wisdom. So I'm stoked you're here today. Uh, today's interview is another one in this series of people interviewing me. And part of the reason I'm doing this is because my goal with this podcast was to get it going. And so often we can stop ourselves from getting going because we're trying to get it perfect. And I fall right into that trap many times. And so what I realized was, all right, let's get the podcast up and get it going and I uh, coincidentally had been doing a bunch of interviews with uh, people in our community who I was excited to support, and some of them I really, really liked. And so I decided to include a handful of those interviews that'll be coming out over the next few weeks on the podcast. And today's interview is with Jan Broders, who is a life coach. He's a member of our community. He joined us for our last Dharma Dollars and Dopeness retreat in Bali. And he is kind of like a modern-day Eckhart Tolle, just a real cool version. Sometimes people describe me as a mix between Jay-Z and Deepak Chopra, or I recently heard the Dalai Lama meets the Beastie Boys. Well, Jan to me is kind of like a, a wise, cool, young Eckhart Tolle. And we just kind of shoot the spiritual shit. And my approach to spirituality is... Oftentimes, I can get uh, a little cynical when it comes to the stuff that's really far out there, although I appreciate it and I can relate to it at times. And so what I'm inspired to do when it comes to spirituality is often to help merge, okay, well, how do we take this spiritual stuff and how do we merge it with the grounded practical application and mindsets and views about just going about living life? So today's interview has a bunch of that goodness, and we'll explore all types of that stuff. I am going to officially transition us now into the interview. Hope you enjoy. Let's do it. All right. Welcome, Jacob, to uh, the first Spiritual Jam session. And I'm, yeah, I'm pleased to have this session with you, and uh, we're looking forward to diving into some we're talking about it just now, deep shit together and seeing what what we come up with. Deep shit. I'm an expert at being in deep shit, yeah. so let's do this. Awesome. Great. Um, I was reflecting earlier whether this whether this would be a good idea or not, and I, I decided to go for it, at least offer this to you, is you knowing me that I'm a big fan of meditation, 
I thought it'd be really cool if we kicked this off with a short meditation together. What's funny is I was actually going to ask you to create a meditation for us to do when we started this. So you must have picked up on that somehow. And and the answer is obviously no, I I don't want that. No, I'm joking. Yeah, let's, let's do it. Okay, cool. And yeah, if you're watching this right now, feel free to join in. And I feel it'd be a great way to just get everybody in the same space. Um, All right, I'm going to lead us through maybe like one, one and a half minutes um, meditation. And uh, yeah, if you feel comfortable, you you close your eyes, you can keep staring at me too. (laughs) This is what you want to do. And with your eyes closed, you're directing your attention towards your breath. And you're now breathing in through your nose and breathing back out of your nose. And at this moment, you're noticing this slight stream of air inside your nostrils. And you might even notice that the air that you're breathing in feels just a bit colder than the air that you're exhaling. Let's all tune in together to the same breath that we're taking. Noticing how the air is moving us, how the air is moving our body, moving your chest up and down, maybe even your belly. And maybe there are even other parts of your body that you can feel they're being moved by your breath. Maybe your shoulders or your arms. And you might notice that the longer you're observing your breath, the more it may feel like it is moving all by itself, that we don't have to force our breath, but that something is breathing us And I like saying that life is breathing us at this moment. All right, and let's make the intention that we let life breathe us for the remainder of this interview, for the time coming up together. That we allow life to flow through us, to move us. Mm, All right. And if you feel ready again, you can reopen your eyes. We can continue with our conversation. Mm. That was amazing. Thank you. Cool. Yeah, you're welcome. It's this uh, very strange experience. I'm drinking coffee over here, so it feels like yeah. you can meditate while taking cocaine, which actually <laughs> is quite fun. So. Yeah. 
can, can you feel like how it's how it's different inside when you drink coffee? Oh, totally. It's like buzz. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's have some fun. All right. Cool. Mm. It was funny when I was thinking about us doing doing this talk. The first term that came up was was Dharma, mm. and because. I came to Bali with you and the retreat you created and still creating. It's called Dharma Dollar Dopeness. And um, I was reflecting on the whole idea of Dharma. And to me, it seemed like it was quite important for the work that you're doing or for you personally, the idea of having a Dharma. Um, how were you introduced to that idea? And what does it mean to you? Because um, I guess there's some super yeah. formal explanation to it. Yeah. So I'm not uber connected to the deep zen interpretation of it or the deep buddhist interpretation of it um to me i I use it pretty synonymously with purpose and i think they're related but i would imagine if we were to go deep into the studies of dharma and the sanskrit and kind of where it comes from that it it might inform us of, of another kind of distinction in there i'm not sure But I use Dharma synonymously with purpose, and it's really about having and gaining self-awareness as to who am I, what matters to me, what are my unique strengths, talents, gifts, skills, passions, things that get me excited, Uh, what is it that's unique about me, and not in an ego way, not in a, in a I'm different than you way, but just the self-knowledge of here's who I am and here's what matters to me and, and how can I really own that? And instead of say, oh, but society doesn't accept that or I'm not good enough if I'm this way that I kind of fear that I am, to really just bring all of that into us and to own it as being fully human and being fully us and then figuring out what is and and playing with because it's not a it's not a kind of puzzle to solve once and for all it's kind of like an art project to continue creating as you go along but to to bring together the different constellation of experiences that only we've had and to see how that's created our unique self in the world and to bring in our our strengths and our passions and what we're most inspired to do with our time and who we'd be most inspired to serve with our time into this kind of art project called life and to continue mm-hmm. to paint it and play with it and explore different ways to express it. Mm-hmm. Mm, cool. And so you're already touching on something. I guess there's different schools. One would say, well, there is... Like you have to find your dharma, right? Like you're saying it's a puzzle. And <laughs> if you fail at finding that one puzzle piece, you kind of just wasted, yeah, you wasted one lifetime. Like, Kill yourself. Yeah. And so you're saying, well, it's just whatever you have experienced throughout your life and bring together, like just discovering yourself and how you decide and how you want to um, live life and what you want to create in life. Right? So it's more of a decision that can change, you said, at some point too. You can, it can evolve in a way. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And when I think about Dharma and when I think about living our purpose, you know, so much of us, so many of us operate from a head-based, logical, rational, I need to figure out what to do with my life. Mm -hmm. And this is good. It's good to be strategic. It's good to 
have a game plan in your head. It's good to do critical thinking. But the head isn't the only organ in your body. And oftentimes we believe that we are our head or our mind. And as you know, you know, just as much as anyone else is that that's when major suffering arises is when we have this attachment to our thoughts and we start to identify who we are with what we think. And based on those thoughts, then judge ourselves as either being amazing or generally we judge ourselves as not being good enough. It's just at all humans do that. And what, what I've learned to do in my own life and I'm continuing to learn to do and also support other people in doing is tapping into a, a, a source of wisdom that is greater than just this one part of their body called the head. And what is the deeper wisdom of your heart or of your gut or of the world at large? What is the consciousness that this tree outside of my window grows with? What is that kind of divine DNA that operates this tree? The tree doesn't need to force grow itself. It's just aligned with nature. And when it has fertile soil, sunlight, water it just is naturally does what it does and when it doesn't have those things it it doesn't thrive right and so we also are part of a universe that works like this and when we create certain conditions for ourselves and then kind of let nature do its thing um, we can live really meaningful and fulfilled lives but we often disconnect from this nature of the way the universe works by getting so attached to our head and our perception of our identity. And so much of the work that I do, and I know that you do too, Jan, is to help people reconnect to the deeper part of themselves, what's in their heart, what's in their gut, what the universe is asking to allow to come through them. And it's almost like the soul has one agenda and our identity has another. And our identity is just the, it's, a bunch of beliefs and ideas that we've inherited from society as to who we need to be in the world in order to be good enough and successful and safe. And what happens is that there's often a conflict between what our soul or our heart is asking for and the way that we've kind of um, created ourselves in the world, our persona, our beliefs about who we are and what we're allowed to do. And the work that I do is about helping people merge the two of these to use their identity or their ego or their persona in service to the deeper wisdom that is within them. And to me, that's um, a large part of, of living your dharma. Mm -hmm. mm, and this is interesting that you say, well, I always feel like you can't really decide what your heart wants, right? So that's when it gets tricky that we, the, the persona, the identity that we take, take on might decide I want to be a lawyer because of whatever something might happen when I'm a lawyer and but we can't really decide what the heart wants right so so at some point do you feel there is a point of where we need to surrender to that heart calling soul calling because then then it's no no more no, no longer free will right it's more of a okay I need, I need to follow that calling in a way so I have a funny relationship to the word surrender. Kind of growing up in New York City, surrender meant weakness. Surrender meant, especially as a man, that you, the last thing you ever want to do is surrender. 
in the spiritual community, this is actually something that's that's glorified that we should I think surrender. That term, I think I just used it for the first time. Like, where did that come from? <laughs> I never say surrender. I thought it felt good to say it. Sure, you're surrendering yeah. to surrender. This is great. Yeah. <laughs> so, so when I think of of surrender, and maybe we can go into a different part of of what you're asking here. I'll start here. When I think of surrender, initially my response is to say, like, I don't want to surrender. Like, I don't want to be weak. I don't want to admit failure. There's almost this connotation of surrender equaling failure. Um, and I think a lot of people watching can relate to that. You know, I don't think I'm the only one in this. Um, so you can use that word. I like to use the word like align. I like to like align with nature and with, and, and I'm not like a, a huge, like tree hugger, you know, I'm born and raised in New York city where there's taxi cabs and rats in the subway. Like I'm, I'm a city dude. Right. And this is my identity speaking right now, but, uh, but to align with nature, to figure out, you know, there are a couple laws that govern the universe and they're not the laws that society says. They're not the laws that mass media says or the advertising industry or MTV. They're, they're laws like the way gravity works. And when we can pay attention to what are these laws that are principles that kind of govern the way life works and align ourselves with those, uh, that to me feels feels great. And I don't get to choose what those laws are. My job is to kind of inquire and question and test and experiment. Well, when I try this, how does that work? When I try it that way, how does that work? So listening to that deeper kind of wisdom within and and aligning with that is, is a sense of surrender or aligning with it, uh, depending on how you want to look at it. Mm-hmm. And then from your experience, is that one principle as well? Like once you align with your, with your heart's calling, then something happens? Did you notice as one of those I know, important points of your yeah, spiritual then, and also just normal journey? Then you have fulfillment in a sense, right? Like to me, that's fulfillment. That's a, a, a heartfelt life that feels whole and complete and I am human. Anyone who's watching this, whoever has asked themselves this question of, I feel like there's something more, but I don't exactly know what that is. They know exactly what I'm talking about. That's their heart whispering something to them that they're trying to figure out in their head. And they've created this kind of operating system in their head as to the way life works and the way life doesn't work that they that they think is keeping them safe. That we think is keeping us safe because I fall into this as well. And, uh, and it's kind of about realizing that that's just programming and conditioning. And if we want to live with the deepest sense of, of fulfillment that we can in life, yeah, it is about listening to, uh, to the whole of you, not just the head of you. Mm-hmm. I, I get, did, let me, yeah. let me just say for everyone listening, <laughs> if I were to say this, I had dinner with my dad last night, love my dad, great dinner, you know, shout out to the family. If I were to say this to my dad right now, I'd be so self-conscious because in my family, I'm, I'm the amazingly spiritual one. And I don't mean amazing like that I'm celebrated for being spiritual. I mean like that I'm super spiritual to them. In the spiritual community, I actually don't feel like I'm very spiritual compared to many people in, our, in the spiritual community. So 
be you know stay with me here when i use some of these words that you might be like <laughs> dude like that's a little weird like what the hell are you talking about you know i'm inspired to do work that bridges the gap between spirituality and kind of just the everyday experience of life and and also positive psychology and and wealth and happiness and love and to that's kind of what i see my dharma is in in part at this point is helping take this wisdom that's so powerful and make it grounded and practical and and help people who really could use it um but so if if you're watching and you're like dude what the hell are you talking about like i get it and you know email me let's we could keep the conversation going or or we could unpack it some more right now mm-hmm. okay okay yeah so because like for me the next question would be if, if when i'm watching this and i hear you talk about well like follow your soul whisper and um <laughs> yep. uh, cool <laughs> and then yeah how do i do that right like no, nobody teaches us like when i go to school nobody teaches me well first period on wednesday it's usually just Soul whisper. Soul whisper. I've, I've never used the word soul whisper before yet. And I think that's, you're, you're up to some new things today with this meditation we just did. Soul yeah. whisper surrender. I, I think if you were a stripper, that would be your name. Soul whisper <laughs> surrender. So, so here's a really kind of logical way to approach it. Um, what you can do is you can look at like, what were the experiences in your life that were most fulfilling? Let's say like, take a deep breath, do one of Jan's meditations, light some candles, put on some ambient music, kind of get yourself in like a chill ass space where like, you know, no one is expecting anything of you. You get to be with yourself. You're not in this fight or flight amygdala being triggered mode, but you're just chilling with yourself. You've exercised, you've kind of got yourself in a good space and you have a little bit of time for yourself. And then you know, do the hard work of sitting with, thinking about and journaling about what are five times in my life that I felt most fulfilled. And think about that. Any time of your life, you could have been a child, you could have, you know, achieved something, you could have felt love, you could have whatever, whatever those were for you. And, and think about like these five different experiences. And then ask yourself, why? Why? Okay, so, so this was the experience. Why did I feel so fulfilled? And if the word fulfilled doesn't really speak to you, well, how about excited or proud or inspired? What, what are five times in your life? And you can actually do this question for all of these, this exercise for all of these different questions. So what are five times in my life that I felt most proud, most excited, most fulfilled, uh, etc.? And then the why is the really important part here. And then you want to start to look at the common thread between the reasons that these experiences were so meaningful for you and notice that that reflects something that's really important to you that's in your heart. So maybe, you know, one experience is you go on a trip to Bali and you, you know, you meet an amazing group of people and you're like super inspired. Well, well, why was that so meaningful to you? Because you got to connect authentically about the things that actually matter because you got to grow in a way that felt like really good for you to grow because you had the freedom to learn and you know and we can kind of unpack it and that's just an example of one experience maybe another experience was when you started a website when you were 16 years old and you know you built a a cool little thing and some people in the neighborhood kind of got excited about it and you were really well why, why did that actually matter to you 
Well, maybe because you were like doing something adventurous and new and larger than yourself. And there is a sense of contribution, like I'm serving something here. And if you, if you kind of pinpoint the, enough of these experiences that were really cool to you, you'll start to see a commonality between them. Sense of adventure, sense of growth, sense of contribution. And those are what I would call your core values. And, and you'll have a lot of them. And I'd kind of narrow from a very logistical, let's work with this type of way. I would say, okay, let's identify your kind of top five here. But you'll, you'll have 20 that'll come up. You can, we can do some work around that. And then though that's from a very logistical kind of pragmatic framework that's a great way to to start to listen to what what's in your heart what matters to you and then how can you take action in that direction right now to like you could say like which of these are most missing from your life right now a sense of contribution a sense of excitement a sense of growth a sense of adventure which which is most missing that you you crave the most and then what can you do to what action can you take to bring more of that into your life mm-hmm. mm. do you feel that because now you're looking okay looking back okay what really made me feel exciting and finding those commonalities do you feel like in everyday life okay now now this is in alignment with with one of, with my core values do you feel different Like once you have identified them and you're just tuning in and noticing, okay, should I go left or right on the street or should I take chocolate or vanilla ice cream? Or, I don't know. Do, do you tune in with that as well? Um, so moment to moment and it's kind of one thing and then overall, like what, what am I doing with my life and what is the direction I want to go? It's, it's a little bit different. Um, but, but both, I, you know, if I'm having a shitty day, I might check in and say, okay, well, what need of mine isn't being met or what value of mine isn't being met? And maybe I haven't left my house in three days and spoken to anyone. This might mm-hmm. sound crazy, but I'm an entrepreneur. You know, this is actually a circumstance that can arise for me. Um, and so I'll realize, oh, that value of authentic connection actually isn't happening right now. Mm-hmm. And and when I then kind of use that to realign myself, yeah, I feel way better. Holy shit, that's amazing. Um, and, and also in my life, when I look at like, well, what is it that I'm inspired to do going forward? And, and so many of us feel like we're searching for that, like, I was meant to do this kind of experience where it's like blows our fucking mind and like it's the perfect thing. And the reality is, is that I haven't experienced it like that. I've had those moments and those moments have come as a result of continuing to show up and take action moment to moment, day to day, to continue to consciously align myself with the things that matter most to me and choose actions and activities that helped me express these deeper values of mine. And doing that enough um, then has led to those moments instead of kind of sitting around overanalyzing and talking yourself out of doing anything. Mm-hmm. Mm, and this, and this, I think this is super important too, that it's a process, right? It's not, um, I guess in some some way, Some people would say, well, it just happens like this and you start listening to your heart and boom. And you are kind of describing it as a journey. Okay, you're getting, getting more and more in line, or in, aligned to, to those values, to those, um, how you want to feel, whatever you want to contribute to. And you notice, wow, the more and more I do this, the better I feel and the more fulfilled I feel. And just before we started recording, you said, well, I feel super grateful to be, to be alive. And Yeah, I do indeed. Like, Yeah, and these types of feeling will show up the more you kind of follow those this path, right? Yeah, I mean, one of the great misconceptions is that happiness is a place to get to, and like when I hit a goal, then I'll be happy. 
it just doesn't work that way. Like we've been tricked. I don't know if it was <laughs> mass media or the giant advertising industry or, or, or just our kind of human nature and not really understanding the way it works. But it, ha- happiness is, is, is kind of like, um, happiness is kind of like, uh, like peeing, right? Like re- reaching a goal is kind of like peeing. You think it's like, it's going to feel so good. It's going to like feel so like life's going to be so much better after I pee, like when you really need to pee, but then you pee and it's like a relief, like, ah, yes, that's amazing. And then you kind of go back to the experience of life that you had before that, that that's kind of like goal accomplishment. It's kind of like peeing. It, it can feel really good temporarily, but your life doesn't actually change because of it. And yeah, some circumstances might change temporarily, uh, or even permanently, but the in, inner stuff doesn't change unless you really do that that conscious work to um, to to find that peace within yourself that comes from being aligned with your deeper wisdom and what's in your heart. Hmm. Hmm. It's a nice analogy. Yeah, I, I think I will need to pee at some point in the next half hour. Now that I bring that up, and man, will life be good for about twenty seconds. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting. Right? I, I I like to distinguish between those things. The one, also the goal accomplishment or so, it's really in the end, it's like, like an ego boost. I know some, if you like using the word ego, it's just this, um, like an excitement or so, right? And then I feel the happiness or something or film we were talking about, it's a lot more subtle and it's mm. like, like, like a low wave or something. And the other one is just like, oh my God, I, I feel awesome. And um, that usually comes kind of a, a fall in some some way yeah or we chase those and then never actually i mean trust your own experience you know i'm not the the godfather of the universe over here who decides how everything works i can kind of speak from my experience from the positive psychology that i've studied from the people who i've coached and generally what happens is that we chase that thrill we chase that high and it's good. I do it too. I love it. I love doing exciting shit. But the reality is, is that unless we have that baseline of falling in love with the process, that it always feels like when then thinking. In other words, when this happens, then life will be okay. And we miss the actual experience of life, which happens right now, like in this fucking moment. Like you're probably watching this like, oh, when I get that piece of wisdom from this interview, then my life is going to be totally different and finally fucking amazing. And the reality is, is like, no, no, like find the joy in just listening to this right now. Find the joy in like presencing yourself to like, this is life. And there's not a place to get to as far as the interview ending and learning something that's going to make your life better. I get that you've got bills to pay. You know, I, I get that. I have bills to pay also. This is not about sitting around and saying we're going to passively kind of meditate our way out of earth and like just connect to the heavens at all times. Like, like we live in a, in a physical world and how do we align with having both a physical and a spiritual experience of this? And so when I, when I talk like this, you know, life is challenging sometimes shit doesn't go your way. You know, you get into a fight with your girlfriend, you miss your plane, you, you know, your landlord is a asshole, like whatever, right? Like shit happens. Um, but how can you fall in love with that? And, And I say this just as much for anyone watching as I do for myself. Like this is me 
consciously reprogramming myself moment to moment of like, yeah, shit bothers me. And like, but can I fall in love with the process of life that is the mundane, the plateau, the, you know, when you look around and you compare yourself to people who are doing what you want to be doing, know that they put in so much time, so much work. You know, when I look around at like other coaches who are in my industry, I have to remember, I've only been coaching four years, you know, and there's people who I look at who I'm like, this motherfucker is coaching like 20 years or has been like doing something that wasn't called coaching, but utilized the same skills as coaching that he got to just, you know, transfer over to this profession and build on. And the reality is, is like, how can you fall in love with being exactly where you are right now? And enjoying the process of improving while accepting yourself completely as you are. I'm going to say one more thing and then you know, we'll, we'll play some more here. Many of us have been conditioned to think that our self-worth comes from accomplishing things. So if we do something that society says is valuable, then we internalize that as us being valuable. This is one of the most poisonous things that I see uh, for living a life that is amazingly fulfilling. What I mean by that is that some of us, let me say it differently, at some point I had this kind of void inside of me that I thought would be filled by going out there and accomplishing something and that it would prove that I was a worthy person and it would prove that I'm a, I'm good enough. And... Um, the reality is is that we are all whole and complete exactly as we are when we just slow down engage in the work that Jan does and and really feel into what it means to be here now we are safe we are whole we are complete now i get there are people in wars who are fighting i get that there's extreme circumstances happening but for you and me who's watching this right now um th- it's it's what I found is that it gets a lot easier to to have a life where we do accomplish things that work um, when we don't have this this feeling that we'll be okay when that happens. And many people who I used to coach initially would come to me feeling like I'm not okay and this coaching is going to make me okay, and it doesn't work. It's just it never actually gets there. The thing that we need to do is recognize that right now in this moment, you don't need self-improvement. What you need is self-acceptance. And when you have that full self-acceptance of I am whole and complete exactly as I am right now, then we go get to have some fun and improve shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Otherwise, it's always just trying to fill fill a hole like like. That doesn't have a bottom, right? You just dump stuff in and it just disappears. It never fills up. Yeah, totally. I was going to ask because you already mentioned one 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 great strategy to feel shitty is <laughs> is to compare yourself to people you shouldn't compare yourself with. Like look at somebody who's ahead of you and say, "Well, I should be there," without noticing what that person has done. Another way you mentioned was. Well, thinking that accomplishing a goal will make you feel happy, another great way or just a misconception that um, that we as society have. And um, I'm just thinking about social media in general and we like everybody just looks at some, I don't know, photoshopped Instagram pictures. No, I should look that way if I bought that, I don't know, protein shake. And why am I not looking that way? I've used it for like half a day already and without recognizing what that person on the picture has done before. Uh, what do you see other ways where we 
what we as all humans kind of trap ourselves that we fall into and and maybe especially even our generation because if I feel there also is a difference between how we operate and how mm. maybe the generations before us kind of um, think and feel. So social comparison being one of them, um, feeling like we will be happy when is another kind of win then thinking when this happens, then I'll be fulfilled. What else? I'm, I'm sure I do about five or 10 of these a day. <laughs> um, surprised it's not easier for me to think of something. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm just thinking of one, what, what you said, so when I said like the example of the three days inside, right? Like being totally not aligned with what we should, like what we know would be good, but just not following that, right? I think that's a common thing too. I notice for myself too. Like I'm, I just start eating like three pieces of cake. It's like, oh, surprise, I'm not feeling very well. <laughs> yeah. I would say exercise, I mean, it's obvious, right? But exercise is really so key. There's a, a positive psychologist. And for everyone who's not sure what I mean when I say that, positive psychology is the science of happiness. In a hundred years, they did a lot of research on kind of the negative aspect of psychology, meaning helping people with depression, uh, being bipolar, schizophrenia, and we made a lot of progress taking people from like a negative nine to a negative six to a negative three. And then about 20 years ago, a gentleman named Martin Seligman came along and said, well, that's great, but what about the people who are, who are already okay and they just want to get better? Like they're, they don't have these kind of mental illnesses and how do we help someone go from a three to a six or a six to a nine? And so they brought this kind of scientific rigor and uh, academic studies to happiness and, and success and um, fulfillment. And then even more recently, I've kind of brought in the neurobiologists to study the way the brain works and kind of our neurochemistry and have been able to, to ground the research even more in, in this scientific uh, data. And so the positive psychology shows really clearly that not exercising three times a week for about 30 minutes is like the equivalent of taking a depressant. In other words, a pill to make yourself depressed. That's what you're doing if you're not exercising three times a week for at least 30 minutes. Obviously, the more you exercise, the better you're going to feel. So it's simple, but just because it's common sense doesn't mean it's common practice. You know, that's, that's something I'd highly encourage you to do and figure out what movement works for you. For my girlfriend, she loves to dance. So her exercise can be, you know, dancing. For me, it might be running or going to the gym. Um, but, you know, really doing that first and foremost, taking care of yourself. One thing that I see, like, so when we talk about principles of the universe and kind of the way that life works and I'm experimenting and testing things, one of my biggest conclusions that I found is that you don't get what you want in life. You get what you are in life. And so how do you be the thing that you want to get? Like, Whoa, what the fuck is he talking about? <laughs> in other words, if, if you want to be, if you want like, I don't know, some, something that is going to like be really exciting for you and going to be really inspiring for you, well, you're not going to get to that place from doing things that are really boring and doing things that kind of make you really anxious. 
So the question is, how do I come from the place that I want to get to? And I'm not hugely into the law of attraction, but this is my closest, like really ground, my version. Some people might say this is not grounded at all, but my kind of grounded interpretation of like attracts like. If I come to you right now in anger and I'm like, you know, like, yeah, how could you fucking be doing this right now? Right. And, and like, you've got some tools to deal with that, but it's going to affect you. You know, it's going to, and again, you're a conscious person. You can choose like, oh, well, here's how I'm going to respond to that. But that, that energy is going to give me more. It's going to make you angry. And then you're going to bring that back to me. And I'm going to get more of this experience that I don't want. So my little mantra is when you make decisions in a shitty mood, they turn out to be shitty decisions. And my kind of process for life is recognizing that if I make a decision in a shitty mood, it's going to be a shitty decision. So never make life decisions when I'm not feeling good. And when we're not feeling good, that's exactly what we want to do is make life decisions so that we can change what we're going through and feel like we have a sense of control and power in our, in our set of circumstances. But instead, what I would nudge you to do is to um, take action to... Um, Take action to one allow one don't demonize yourself for what you're feeling. Allow yourself to experience what you're experiencing. There is no such thing as a negative emotion. Some emotions are unpleasant, kind of wish we didn't feel them, but as far as a shame standpoint, never shame yourself for feeling anything. Really really that's huge. Um and then two, as you allow yourself to process this emotion, take care of yourself. And that might mean exercising, meditating, eating a certain way, um, drinking enough water, having conversations with people who can like hold a, a safe space for you, doing things that excite or inspire you. And wait until you're feeling good again until you make a decision about what it is that you want to do moving forward. Because if you make a decision from an inspired place about your life, you'll get an inspired life. And if you make a decision from a fear place, you'll continue to get a life of fear. Mm, absolutely. I've experienced this so many times. Um, every time I did something because of fear, or maybe fear of not having money, like those types of fears, or fear of, uh, I don't know what's going to happen, then usually those decisions always came back at me at some point. Like weeks later, it's like, oh, I, just, I remember when I made that decision, and it, it wasn't very good. Like it wasn't coming from a good place, and now I'm feeling it a few weeks later. Like the result uh, is is pretty bad. And I remember when we were in Bali, you were saying at some point, uh, never make decisions without dancing. Yeah, you remember? Yeah. yeah, I was like, well, imagine how different life would yeah. be if, like, every time that you had to make a decision, you just danced for five minutes first. Like, just fucking let your shit loose, and like, I, you know. I'm not a huge dancer. Like I'm, I'm kind of rediscovering myself when it comes to dance in the last two years. I was the guy who always stayed on the wall and like judged people because I was insecure about my own dancing. But just imagine if like before you ever had made a decision, you just danced for five minutes. But my version of that is I, I actually go exercise. I go for a run. And it, it kind of produces the same effect. But imagine how different life would be if you danced before every decision. Mm, yeah even when you didn't feel like it right like that's the key it's not like oh i feel like dancing or not it's like no i'm gonna sh it's my job to do this i'm gonna fucking dance and then because of that your state changes excuse me and you can make a decision that's gonna be uh, more inspiring for you in the long run yeah yeah totally mm, cool yeah i've experienced this myself as well um 
you've you've talked talked a little bit about okay, you you are not your thoughts, you're not your there are no you said there are no negative emotions, just emotions that feel unpleasant, emotions that feel pleasant. Um now in the whole spiritual world, and if you start reading some of those books, it'll say at some point, Well, you are not your body. Right? And I remember us talking on, on a call, um, like with the Course of Miracles group that I'm in, we talked about it two weeks ago or so, and everybody has this whole concept, okay, what does it even mean you are not your body? And we, I, t- I think we kind of accept that really quickly, say, yeah, of course I'm not my body. And, but really, there's, it just bl- blows our mind, right? Well, how can you not be your body? How can you not be your thoughts? Um, how was it for you when you first kind of read about ideas like that? And how do you work with them today? Like how, how do you feel about those? It's, it's, it's a great reflection, and it makes me want to change the language that I use around expressing some of these concepts. When you say that, it inspires me to actually refine my own expression of the wisdom that I'm, I'm inspired to share about this. Because you are your body, and you are your thoughts. But you are not only your body or only your thoughts. You're, you're the whole. You are your thoughts. You are your heart. You are your body. Um, or maybe you're just experiencing this, you know, and I'm, I'm kind of playing with it out loud here also. Yeah. Uh, so you are not your body. Um, the way that I, that I view this is that many decades from now, hopefully, uh, it'll be many decades from now, we'll be dead and we won't be here anymore, but our body will still be here. There'll be a time before our body rots and, and, uh, decomposes that, we're not alive, but our body is still here. So that's that's your body, right? Is it still is it still you? Like, what what do you mean? You know, uh, clearly there was another component to this body thing that made it you and made this experience of you you. And we might call that your soul or your spirit or electricity. Like, you know, there's a component there that that kind of powers up this thing over here. And I say you are not your thoughts really to help people disconnect from identifying solely with your thoughts. And the same thing goes for for your body. You know, you can um you experience a lot of pain for everyone who's watching who's experienced a lot of body pain. You know the way through that is your breathing. Right, like that's the way that you that I deal with my pain, and I think most of us, when we're we're like ah, you know, it's, it's through our breath that we can then uh, we can kind of create a layer between the physical pain of the body and um, and ourselves in order to to heal and, and nurture and kind of deal ourselves and deal with that pain. Um, so that's that's my view on not being the body. Is there's something that's kind of charging us up here, whether that's your soul or your spirit or what. Um, and you know, I say my hand, I say my thoughts and I'm not so attached to saying that I, I am not these things. It's just like they, they're all parts of the whole experience of what it means to be Jacob. And if I didn't have this hand anymore, I would still be Jacob, even though this hand is Jacob, right? Or I am Jacob. Um, and if I didn't have this thought anymore, if I didn't have this kind of social construction and identity about who the world viewed me as, and I just, I don't know, grew out dreadlocks and like, I don't know, like started dressing like a woman or something, right? Like, I'm still like, there's still a part of me that's still me in a sense. It's just my identity on the surface that has changed. So that's my little brainstorm for you. Cool. 
Yeah, I, 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 really, I really like it because I, I love the, the part that you said, well, just imagine you're dying and, and what is kind of now sparking this thing to work? I was thinking when you said maybe it's just electricity, right, in its simplest form, like something makes your heart beat, right? Mm. And it's, um, it's not you, like, like beat, oh, beat now. Oh, fuck, I forgot about <laughs> telling it to beat. You know? There's yeah. something else within us, some, whatever that might be and how you were just describing it earlier, what makes a tree grow, right? It's, it's not the tree that says oh, I'm going to be an oak tree. And, oh, let, let me think. Oh, actually, I wanted to be a birch tree or something. It's like something is within anything alive that just makes it, makes it be what it is. I would love to ask your community. I get the feeling that there are some spiritual souls in your community right now. So, so you brought to the light for me this distinction between when I say that I am not my thoughts or I am not my body, that to me there's... Um, Joseph Campbell kind of questions this. He says, "Am I am I the light or am I the bulb? Like, what am I? Right? Am mm-hmm. I the am I the am I the bulb or am I the light?" And my belief is that we're both. We are the light in the bulb. We are the whole experience of this. We are the human, physical, and the spiritual. But the language that I use is like, "You are not your thoughts." I could see how there's probably actually a finer distinction I could make in that language. And so, if anyone who's watching kind of uh, has a distinction that they feel like speaks to what I'm saying. I- I'd love for you to. Will there be a comment section under this video? Sure. Yeah. You can yeah put so, one in. so you can either drop a comment or email me. My email is jacob at sensophy dot com, s e n s o p h y dot com, and just let me know. Let me know what what you think because I-, I do see that. Um. The, the idea is very powerful and very important for us to know. And for my own kind of description of it and just self-knowledge, it, it, there's a, a discernment that's waiting to be made here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what I find interesting is just one idea that I always like is when I'm like in meditation, right? There's just ideas coming up. We're not even, you're not proactively thinking. When, let's just say you're sitting in meditation. And all of a sudden you're thinking, oh, um, I wonder what the weather will be like tomorrow. So it's like, Oh, I didn't even want to think about the weather, right? It, like something is thinking me in the moment. Like I was saying earlier in meditation, something is breathing me. There's like something is passing through, and something is thinking me in a way. And um, I can choose whether or not I believe the thought or not, whether or not I believe what, what's up, <laughs> what's happening in my head. And um, yeah, so th- this is kind of how, how I work with it. Okay, something is thinking me. And I can choose whether or not I can. I want to believe it. Mm, yeah. Totally, yeah. That makes that makes sense. And also the collective environment that you're in, and kind of energetically what you're psychically picking up on. And I say psychically again now, wanting to shoot myself <laughs> for everyone who's like you weirdo. But I don't mean psychically as far as. And and I was, yeah. listen. One of the most tangentially, let me say, one of the most valuable skills that I believe I possess that enables me to do the work that I do is the ability to hear something without believing it and also without disbelieving it. But just sitting in the space of it existing without needing to know this is true or false or I agree or I don't agree. Just like, oh, there's psychics. They say that things work this way. Interesting. Versus like the New York part of myself is like, that's a (laughs) bunch of bullshit con artists who like, and then the spiritual side of myself is like, Oh, really? Like, what do they say is going on with the moon? And like, I, I don't know, right? But just like being able to I wonder sit, if they have an opening tomorrow afternoon. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, read my palm. Uh, but just being able to sit in the non-judgmental 
uh, you know, playground, intellectual pl- playground of like, oh, I wonder about this. I w- I'm curious about that. So, um, so that being said, you know, when it when it comes to what you were saying as far as thoughts, you know, our our environment does affect our thoughts. Uh, I'm thinking of a really grounded, practical example right now. Um, <laughs> this is not the. Okay, I have like a guilty face on right now. So I'm thinking about like when me and my girlfriend make love, right? And my cat sometimes will start going nuts around the house, even if he's in a separate room, even if we have the door shut. But like energetically, he picks up on like there is an energy in the house that's like, whoa. And he just starts going crazy. And I have a girl cat also. And he like jumps on her and like tries to, you know, bang her, et cetera, et cetera. Um, that's a kind of you know very ridiculous but but practical example of of us picking up on the energy of the environment that you're in. But you know, mm-hmm. go stand inside of Times Square, feel what that feels like, and then go stand inside of of the rice fields in Bali and feel what that feels like. It, it affects your thought. It's, it it affects your kind of emotional um, body. Mm-hmm. So so I love I love what you're saying as far as that the, that you're being thought someone is something is thinking you and i think that also has to do with our nature and the environment that we're in and and yeah this this conversation has actually helped clarify for me so so then it's i have a thought but it doesn't mean that i am my thought i have a heart but it doesn't mean that i am my heart i have a body but it doesn't mean that i am my body um etc yeah and i like what you said with the breath putting a layer between emotional pain and yourself like whatever that is <laughs> but um yes yeah. yeah, so, so that, that was a, a good uh, way for, for me to um, to learn how to describe it. yeah there's a layer you kind of just you think it's one like i am the pain and oh my god it's excruciating and, and then oh the breath just puts a layer in between and i can observe the pain all of a sudden mm, yeah so good cool um wow interesting i like where this went um so, I mean, if we take this one step further, <laughs> why not? We're already talking about psychics and my cat's sexual desires. Yeah, are they there now? Uh, I hope not. <laughs> I hope that's not the energy he's getting from our conversation. But who knows? Maybe they're sitting cross-legged somewhere in the living room. Yeah. Um, so, if, if you're not your body, right? What happens with you when the body dies? I have no fucking idea. <laughs> I have I have no idea. And you know, I've I've read um, I've read a book at some point in my life. You know, I, I've I've done a little bit of reading on this. And if I was a philosopher, I would be a philosopher of practicality. Ultimately, that's that's the the question that I live inside of: is is this useful? Is this helpful? what matters to me and how do I create the, the best version of my life and if we're expanding outward for all of us. And thinking about what happens after I die, it's just not a conversation at this point in my life that I'm very inspired to have. Um, it can be cool, we can dance there a little bit, but ultimately the conversation that I enjoy is like, right now, um, what's useful you know how do, mm-hmm. what does what a good life mean to you and how do we create the best life for you and um and the other part is for other people because 
that's one of the ways the universe works is if you want to create the best life for yourself, help create it for other people. Whatever you want, give it to other people. If you want to help somebody, if you want a meaningful life, help other people's lives be meaningful. If you want money, help other people make money. If you want to be excited, get someone else excited. Right? This is just a weird kind of law of the universe. That um, so, But bringing it back to your initial question, what happens when we die? I don't know. Obviously, does our soul kind of dissolve or collectively combined with the rest of the souls? Do we get reborn and kind of take, take a, a new body? Um, it's, it's cool. Maybe at some point in my life I'll be interested in exploring that more. But that's just not kind of my, my line of philosophical thinking. Mm-hmm. And it's cool. I, I really like like how, how you say that because it also brings brings us back to when we said like what are ways to to be unhappy? <laughs> it's also to to think about stuff that doesn't really matter, right? It, like may, maybe to some person it matters at this moment, and if you decide for you, well, it doesn't really matter to me right now, and I, I'm just thinking about something that isn't happening right now to me, mm. and it could be something to just freak you out, right? We could we could totally dive into this now and come up with well, we all turn into I don't know, like zombies or something on another planet. And who knows? And be like, oh my God, this is horrible. And, or just stay somewhere. Okay. What's, what's, what matters to me now? Right. Totally. So uh, yeah, I like that. And I totally understand if Is, is it really a question worth asking? Right. As some of the questions that um, we think we have to deal with on a d- daily basis, are they actually uh, important to think about? Totally. Right. Like most of them aren't, I think. <laughs> I, I was I was in a therapy session five years ago, maybe probably more. You know, when I first kind of said something about my life needs to change, and I didn't really know what to do about it. Going to see a therapist was like mm-hmm. it was a declaration. Like fuck it, I'm because everyone said if you see a therapist, that means you're crazy. Like my family, especially. Like you must be something is wrong with you if you go see a therapist. So there's all this. Did, kind you, of, did you tell them? Yeah. Um, I did. Yeah. And you don't need to, um, for anyone who's thinking about that. Um, but there, the people, and it was, it's generally the people who carry around a lot of shame who are going to put shame on seeing a therapist. So just be conscious of that, that the person who's telling you that is oftentimes there's a part of themselves that they don't want to look at. And so they're going to tell you it's, you know, (laughs) Therapists are crazy. Therapists are gay. Therapists are like I've I've heard all of these kind of accusations. Like anyone who goes to a therapist is gay. I'm like, whoa, what? (laughs) What do you mean? It's a lot of people. Um, But when I kind of went into therapy and I was exploring some of these deeper questions, which it's a great space to do that. My therapist is like, you know, some of the smartest people, the mathematicians, the people who, you know, their IQ is uh, 180, whatever, like, these are people who, like, killed themselves from overthinking. Like, they just, they committed suicide because, like, the level of, like, insanity of, like, like, we're we're a bunch of little ants floating around on this rock in this infinite-sized cosmic universe we don't have any fucking idea about anything. We think we do, right? But because we like to feel, we think certainty equals safety. 
uh, and the reality is, is we know nothing. Me, you, we, look, we know nothing, right? We might know a thing or two, but the thing or two that we know <laughs> is about nothing because in the spectrum of things, like, we know nothing. We have five senses, maybe a couple more that they didn't teach us in school, intuition, you know, whatever. But we have a limited kind of perception of our experience of life, the same way that an ant crawling on the floor, no matter like how slowly I speak to this ant, he's never going to understand what I'm saying to him because he just doesn't get it. And and I believe that while we're special and unique, we're also not special and unique. We're a part of the universe just like everything else and we function in the same capacity. There is an infinite... Um, I don't want to say greater experience because it's not that we're better than an ant or an ant is better than us, but a a greater intelligence, let's say, that can kind of comprehend things in a a more complex and deep way that is beyond our five senses or however many senses we have. And, um, And that's just part of life, just accepting that, that we will never know. You know, we will never know. And I don't know, maybe Buddha, maybe Yoganandi, maybe like, you know, these people have some different enlightenment experience where they do know something more than 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 us um but but my view on it is that you know we just don't know shit and we love pretending and fooling ourselves into thinking we can because somehow it reassures us and we think that this head is going to give us the safety experience that we can only find from our breath the reality is is that our true safety is going to come from being connected to our breath and being amazingly present in this moment, fully present in this moment. And it's kind of paradoxical because it's like, but prepare for the future. I need to pay the bills. Yes. Be fully present in this moment as you are going towards the things that actually matter to you. Um, and part of part of the reality of being alive as a human being is that we have bills to pay. But the person who takes a job just for the money has turned themselves into a slave. That's a Joseph Campbell quote. That's not me. But if if you're living, you know, just for money, you have made yourself a slave. Doesn't mean money isn't important. It's a useful tool, um, but it doesn't bring safety. Uh, the breath brings safety, and um, total presence brings safety. Cool. Mm, beautiful. And it brings us all back to what, what you started out with saying, okay, there is this, if, if you can feel what's right, then go for it, right? We don't, have to, we don't have to understand it and intellectualize everything. But if you're present and you feel, well, this is in tune, in line with my heart. And, and for people who have exercised this form of intelligence very much, this kind of logical, rational, high-level, um, com- complex thinking... This is a, like I, I love it. I'm a huge fan. Like I can sit there like this, you know, like oh, tell me more. It's amazing, you know. Like I'm a huge fan of like deep philosophical thinking and etc. Um, but the the what the fuck, man? I forgot what I was gonna say. Fuck me. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> there you have it. You forget what you're gonna say. Spend too much time in the heart, and then suddenly you lose your safety. Uh, this is great. I think what I was going to say is something along the lines of that. You know, even even though you have these um, these these deep, high level thoughts, ultimately you'll never get to the experience of what I still have no idea what I'm going to say. We're keeping this in the interview. I don't care. Okay. Maybe maybe it'll come back. Maybe it won't. But there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. After uh, a moment of deep, profound thinking, 
a deeply human moment of forgetting where I was going. Yeah, cool. And, and, and I think it's just, I was talking to this um, um, as part of the Nobis Like Solvis event last summer um, to the guy from Germany, Ansi, who experienced enlightenment, like whatever that means, like just like the soul oneness and everything. And he said, well, like everything that I'm trying to explain to you, like with my words and with like... Got it. it. Thank you. Nice. Yeah, okay. it's not understandable. Like, so, we, it's, it's just, so what's funny is yeah. that our psychic connection must have uh, tr- downloaded it for you. You're throwing it back to me. Awesome. Again. <laughs> Once again. Like with the meditation. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. Um, it's, it's kind of like... If I were to say like, um, Jan, I, I want you to, I want you to taste how this coffee smells. Okay. Taste how this smells. Okay. You're like, wait, wait I don't understand. Like my taste will never like, let me know what this smells like because there are two different, um, kinds of consciousness in a way. And there's the head can never really tell you what's in the heart in the same way that the tongue can't really tell you what's in the air with the smell. And for the people who've really exercised this head muscle really well, again, I love it. I'm a huge fan of it. And it's about using this as, as one of the parts of your body, but also um, growing and learning to listen to the other parts as well. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that save. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> And, and, this, and this is cool. Right? If you were telling one person, or you can only see, like you can no longer taste, um, smell, or hear, or touch. You can only see, like this is what you have to do because that's it's the only right um, perception of life, right? It's kind of a cool analogy to to use it like this. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to just focus on the one thing, but there's more more layers, and then totally. play with them in different different situations. And then sometimes in the dark, you might say, "Well, now it's time for me to hear." instead of to see and then kind of know when to use your intellect and when to use your, your heart. Um, nice. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Yeah. All right, too. I'm, uh, yeah. One thing I'm, I'm feeling, um, coming kind of towards, towards the end of the, of this session, but one thing I'm, I've been thinking about lately or just playing with is the whole idea why is it changing now? Why do so many young people want something different out of life? Like, um, and I was just talking uh, the day before yesterday with a neighbor from upstairs. She's a 94-year-old lady. Um, she's been a yoga teacher and she meditates every morning. And it's, it's kind of interesting what we were just talking about. Well, she has grown up in such different circumstances, right? She was a refugee from Poland and then there was the war. She came here and she says, well, for me, life was just, like we had different things to think about, right? It wasn't about self-actualization for me. I was, I just wanted to be alive, right? Physically be alive. Yeah. And, and now our generation, like we are taking this whole thing to a totally different level and it's all about living your, your dharma, your purpose. And um, yeah, what, what, is kind of, what are kind of your thoughts about the whole thing? What, what's up with our generation? <laughs> well, again, I don't know. And, but the answer that comes to mind is uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? So uh, Abraham Maslow, famous psychologist, talks about that we have different needs that start kicking in when the other more fundamental needs get met. 
So the basic need is just to stay alive, just to have some kind of shelter and know that you're not in danger. There's not a house that's going to collapse on you, but you can fall asleep without a tiger coming to attack you. Basic kind of survival need. And then above that, there's, let's say, kind of the need for food and for water and for kind of sustaining this kind of well-being in a little bit of a, of a longer-term fashion. And then you kind of have these basic uh, human needs met, these kind of primal needs and then above that, you'll have uh, something like the feeling of connection or belonging or being part of a, of a tribe, let's say. And, um, and then going up, let's say there's a need for, I don't, I don't know exactly what they are, let's say significance or, or feeling, you know, something mm-hmm. along these lines, like, uh, et cetera. And as you keep going, you, you go for the need for, um, for self-actualization, to be what you can be, to ultimately show up in the greatest way possible. That's why so many of us who have these basic things, these the food, the shelter, the kind of community that we live in, the sense of belonging, it still ultimately isn't enough. And it's not that we're greedy or that we're ungrateful. It's actually that we, we're here to express our fullest potential. Just like the tree outside of my window is here to keep growing and to have the circumstances to keep growing. If it's not growing, it's dying. Uh, this We work the same way. It's, it's our job and it's it's our nature to continue to grow as we have our basic needs met. And so I think because of the advancement in technology and agriculture and all of these things that you know as as on a society level that we we are higher up in the pyramid and now we're looking to transcend to self transcend to be a part of something larger than ourselves to um to reach our potential etc. And and also that's kind of one part of it. The other part of it is that when you look around at what's happening globally, it's unsustainable, right? Like the in what's happening with the environment, with the way the food that we eat, with um, the kind of classism, with uh, the giant corporations that control the world. It's We're kind of on an unsustainable path. And so I think collectively we're realizing this and we're realizing that it's our job to do something about this. And as we said earlier, you don't get what you want, you get what you are. Gandhi's message is be the change that you wish to see. It's the same thing we're talking about here. We kind of get that it's our job to become the version of ourselves that is loving and compassionate and focused on making a greater contribution because there's an eminent need for it. Now, while this can be kind of depressing, it's also actually really inspiring because the greatest opportunities that exist in the future Um, are going to be ones that are solving world problems that exist. What's so cool about this is that if you, I know if you're watching this that you want to make a difference in the world. And that's great fucking news because the world needs to have a difference made in it. So that means that you desire to make a difference. The world really needs you to make a difference. And the most profitable opportunities for you to make money are going to come from figuring out what's not working and how do we help solve those things. And that's an amazing thing. I mean, it can suck that you're like, man, you know, if we're a victim about it and if we kind of feel powerless, but if we take ownership of the fact that there are people who are suffering, there's pain that exists, there is a a world that is being polluted, and and I'm not an activist, I'm not here to kind of, you know... um, I, I don't know. I, I am, but I'm not. I'm, I'm not here to tell you, like, you know, you need to be living differently. I'm just saying check in with yourself. And if you're inspired to to help solve meaningful problems in the world, which I think you are, 
then it's about kind of letting go of this notion of who am I to do that and to instead of focusing on if you're good enough or if you're worth it or if you deserve it or all of these kind of ego-based questions, to just focus on who are the people who you're inspired to help? Where is their pain in the world that exists? Where is their suffering? And if you're not sure, if nothing comes to mind right away, right? If you're, if there's, you're not like, oh, well, that's inspiring. Like those, those people are in pain. I'd be inspired to help them. Look within yourself. Where have I experienced pain? What's been most challenging for me? Um, what really bothers me about the way the world works, right? All of these things will point you towards your dharma, towards your purpose, towards your greater contribution that you're here to make. And again, what's great about that is that the world needs it. It's meaningful and it's profitable. And it's going to be about us putting aside our ego of who am I to do this and stepping into courageously saying, I don't know how to do this, but you know what? I'm committed to learning. I'm committed to doing whatever it takes, even if I look stupid, even if I feel unworthy, even if society tells me I'm a fucking basket case, crazy ass person, you know what? I don't give a shit because it's more important to me to show up and make a difference in people's lives. And I'm going to have the patience, the persistence, and the diligence to stay on the path when it gets hard because it will get hard. I will doubt myself. And you know what? That's just a part of human nature. I'm going to work through it. Cool. (laughs) Nice. There we go. Very nice wrap up. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, really. And it's it's really cool. And yeah, focusing on who are you going to help, right? I think it just... Like whenever I feel, okay, there's doubt, it's like focusing, okay, who am I not helping by doubting myself right now? Then not making it about ourselves. Mm-hmm. And there, there's new fuel again. There we go. Mm, sweet. Awesome, Jacob. Thanks so much for yeah sharing everything you have shared and uh, going to places that, that are somehow weird sometimes that are... Uh, really interesting and inspiring at some others, but just new places. Cool. My my pleasure. Thank you for facilitating a great conversation. And uh, thank you for showing up and doing the work that you do and staying on the path because as someone who's also on the path, I know that it's not always easy. (laughs) And I also know that the world needs it. And so thank you for you for, for continuing to step into that and do the work every day, the mundane meditation, compassion practices, exercise, etc. And um and thank you for everyone who's listening and watching because you know I appreciate you taking the time to recognize that this is important to you. And you know, if there's any way that you can thank Jan for doing this conversation or for, for me for having it, it's really to take something that you heard here and, and practice it and put it into use and you know, the greatest possible thing that could happen is if I were to get an email from you in a month from now and say, Jacob, I heard that interview with Jan. I took that one idea. You know, there was a bunch of great ideas. I took that one idea that inspired me most and I went and I put it into action every day. I thought about how can I put this most in to action and then I experimented with it. I just tried it. I played with it. And here's what worked. Here's what didn't. Um, but I'm so glad that I did it. Uh, this would be the greatest gift that I think either of us could receive. So if you're inspired to, um, to do something nice for us, that would be amazing. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I think, thanks for pointing that out. Really. Yeah. It's not just consuming a video here. It's about taking this into your life. Awesome. Nice. Thanks so much. Take care, Jacob. And, uh, yeah, speak soon. Okay. All the best. Peace out. (laughs) Bye-bye.
Soul Sibling, thank you so much for rocking with us. I appreciate you, and I appreciate that you're using your time and your energy toward making yourself a better person and the world a better place. So if you'd like to keep in touch, I'd love it if you subscribe to the podcast, and I'm excited to deepen our relationship, to get to know each other better over time, and to see how I can help you solve meaningful challenges and create your most fulfilled life. We've got a great community over here, and we run retreats all over the world. We've got people who connect with each other and support each other in living the most fulfilled life. And what I'd suggest for your next step is to grab a copy of The 12 Things Happy People Do Differently. It's a scientific-based approach to happiness, and there's a lot of great wisdom out there, but this in particular is researched back from some of the world's leading positive psychologists in the world, and it's super grounded, super practical, how you could do these 12 things that happy people do differently and rock it. The article's been shared over 100,000 times on Facebook, and there's some magic in there. So in order to grab a copy of that, you can go to thankyoujacob.com. Sounds simple, and it is. Thankyoujacob.com, and uh, grab that immediately, and I will keep in touch through personal emails that I send out a couple times a month and all that goodness. So for now, sending you lots of love. Keep it real. Follow your heart, but bring your head. Peace.